The Mind Aware, 327. Well, it starts with you feeling good. So excited to have 15 to 30 minutes of just pure fun right now. This is going to be good. Yay! I love that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds nice. I'd like that. I'll go get that for myself right now. Be perfect every minute of every day. Never have another drop of sugar. Because I think if you say that to people, everybody's going to freak out. Hi, Dana. It's great to see you. I mean, not see you, but be with you today. (laughs) What I found to be the secret. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be great? I love it. You know, when you're clear, what you choose to show up in your life will and only to the extent that you're clear. That's the amazing capacity of the human mind. Hello, everyone. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and welcome. So, are you a good connector? Or do you wish you were a better connector? Do you even really understand like how to maximize your connections? Or if you have a network, are you growing a network? What is this all about? How do we start to use our connections and our relationships in a way that's beneficial for everybody, in a way that's a win-win for everybody involved, in a feel-good way, because you know we're all about feeling good. Well, guess what? I have a great guest today. I am here with David Burkus, and he is the host of the Super Connector Summit. He's a multiple-time best-selling author, and he's got a new book coming out. And in fact, shh, don't tell anybody, because we are the first to hear about it right here. This is here for our live on Facebook audience. His new book coming out next year is called Friend of a Friend, and we're going to talk about connecting. Hi, how are you, David? Hey, no, I'm great. Thank you so much for uh, for connecting and reaching out to uh, invite me on. It's a pleasure. Well, I love it, too. So I think we should start with the premise of networks, because I think people have a misunderstanding about networks, right? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree. I, well, first of all, I think people have a mistake, because somewhere in the last, like, 50 years, network became a verb. Right. As in a thing that you do. Right. Networking became a verb. Right. It became this activity that you engage in. We mostly associate it with uh, forcing ourselves out of our comfort zone, meeting total strangers. Right. Going to that mixer after the conference or or what have you. And, you know, for for half of the population, the introverts, they would rather sort of like walk a tightrope over a pipeline of open sewage than go to a networking event, right? And then the other half of the event is like, yeah, that's fun, but I'd rather still, I'd rather hang out with my friends, et cetera. And, it, and in fact, the truth is like all of us have a tendency when we're at events like that to gravitate towards the people we already know and the people who are like us, which is the exact opposite of the thing that we need in our network. So I've sort of come from a different premise, which is that a network is not something you do and a network is not something you have. It's not a Rolodex or a contacts app, et cetera. It exists. You exist in a network. It's 7.4 billion people strong, right? And, and then if you look at closer to sort of you, your network of two or three degrees of separation out, you exist inside of it. And the goal then should be figure out how does it work? Where are you plugged in and where do you need to migrate to and who do you need to connect with that's inside that sphere? so that you can have the most fulfilling career, the most fulfilling life, et cetera. One of the most interesting findings in the whole book, you know, you were talking about being happier, having a a better sort of life, is that 
the people that you don't even know, but are two or three degrees of separation out from you, the research says actually do affect your happiness. They affect your rates of obesity. They affect smoking or quitting smoking. You are affected not just by the people you know, but the people that they know as well, even in things like having a happy life. No way. That is amazing. I can't believe that. So let me see if I've got this right. First of all, I want to reiterate a couple of things he said because they were really good. The first one is your network already exists. You're living inside of a network. So this isn't something you, you build or you do. It's there and it's already there. So it sounds to me like we're going to talk about now as we go forward is more about how to enhance our own happiness inside of that network, right? But this is just shocking news to me because we've always heard that age-old axiom that you're the equivalent of the five people you hang out with. It's a whole lot more saying, than five. <laughs> yeah, and you're saying it's not only them, it's their friends too. Yeah. Do you want to add anything about that before we go on? Yeah, so the, the research for this comes from two brilliant psychologists, uh, Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler. And they really did, they call it the three degrees of influence. In study after study, whether it's obesity, uh, smoking rates, and, and actually secession, cessation, however you say that word, of smoking. But the biggest one was happiness. So you are, uh, if your friends score highly on happiness, you're more likely to be happy, even out to your friends of friends. That's why we called the book that. And your friends of friends of friends. This is the one I think is interesting. Your, so people you don't even know, but who are a friend of your friend of your friend, affect your happiness to about 6%. And I know 6% doesn't sound like something amazing, but in a different body of research, if I gave you a $10,000 raise, it would only increase your happiness 2%, right? Wow. So I don't know if you want to extrapolate out that it's the equivalent of a $30,000 raise. I don't actually think it works like that, but it's a wow. more potent influence on your happiness than making more money. That is crazy. I just, I, that's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. So I'm wondering then, because the book's not out and I can hardly wait till it comes out. You'll have to, we'll have to make sure and make an announcement about that. But I, I'm wondering if you can tell me then, what is our job inside of this network? You know, I think old school would have said like you should make your list of 100 people in your circle of influence and you should work out. But it sounds to me like you're coming at this from a whole different way. What's What would be our role to increase our lives and our business and our happiness and all that within this network? Yeah, so I would say the first thing is to get a sense of where you are in the network. So in other words, I mean, yes, your list of 100 people, et cetera, but just that list isn't all that useful. What you want to get is sort of a sense of how you fit into where all of those interrelations between those hundred people are. So, you know, the, the summit that I'm, uh, that I'm running is called the Super Connector Summit because there really is a phenomenon of people known as super connectors. They have abnormally high number of connections in the world. They tend to be the ones who are making the introductions between two people. And then they're also, this is, I think, really interesting. They're the ones to whom introductions are just more likely to naturally gravitate, right? Which makes sense. If you know more people, you're more likely to get introductions to new people, right? The question is, are you that for your niche, for your industry, et cetera? If you have a 100 people and none of them know each other and you're the linchpin between that group, then yes, yeah, probably definitely you. If you have a 100 people and they all already know each other and you're in this very sort of closed, tight cluster – then you're not the connector between those people. And in fact, you might be in, in social science research, it's called a redundancy, right? Because literally I could pull you out of the network and the structure doesn't change at all. At all. That's not a very valuable place to be in the network. You want to be sort of in a balance where you are not only bringing new people into your community, your close-knit network, 
but also you have lots of people that you still need to meet as well inside that broader community. Somewhere kind of in that middle ground seems to be the best place to be. Now, I think for some people, and I, I see myself in this, this comes really naturally. We just think of like, oh, you need a real estate agent. Oh, well, I know a real estate agent. Let me introduce you. Like, it just seems like, isn't everybody like this? And so do you feel like there are some people who maybe this wouldn't appeal to or this wouldn't be a match for or this would be more difficult for? And do you have any advice for those people? So, I mean, I think everybody needs to get in that habit that you were talking about of thinking about, you know, so to go back, I was making jokes earlier about the networking event and the, the idea that nobody wants to go to these mixers, et cetera. I think one of the reasons for that is that people go into it thinking my job is to meet somebody who's going to be useful to my immediate career needs right now. And that's a huge problem, right? Because the pool, let's say there's 100 people in the room, your odds of meeting that person, well, it actually depends on whether or not that person's in the room, but let's call it like 10%, right? But if you come into it with that sort of connector mindset of my goal is, is to find someone in this room and introduce them to my current network, and that might benefit me now, it might benefit me later, you're going to, A, be more successful, but the other thing is that unless you score, I mean, that whole meeting somebody uh, that's going to be immediately useful to you right away, if you score highly on like, you know, tests of narcissism or psychopathy, then it's probably pretty easy to find that, right? If not, the reason we feel so sort of dirty is that we're not supposed to think about extracting value from a relationship right away. That's not how we as, as humans, as a tribal species sort of evolve. So if you switch it and now you're thinking about somebody else and you're having that conversation with that person and you realize, oh, you just moved to town and you're renting, but you need a home. Let me introduce you to my realtor. You're giving that person value. You're also giving value to that sort of realtor and you're not the center of attention, which is what I think most people are uncomfortable being and why they feel so uncomfortable at those events. Yeah, and I think if you think about those events, a lot of times it's like, oh, good, here's a 100 people all saying buy my product and promoting themselves. Well, how nice to be the one person in the room who is there genuinely interested in what that person has to sell or what that person is offering because you're looking at it through the eyes of who needs this. So you're really coming at it from a viewpoint of service or giving. I mean, I really like where you're going with this. So what you're saying is that, being a connector is a learned skill. You don't have to be born with it. You just have to have the mind of caring about others. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my background is as a psychologist. And so the whenever there's the question of nature versus nurture, the answer is always yes. Right. That, that some of it is genetic and some of it has to do with how those genes are expressed in the community that you're in, et cetera. Um, I would say this. It is a learned skill. Some people learn it sort of more often uh, than others, right? So I have two boys, one's five, one's three. The five-year-old, he will run out and meet anybody, right? And one of the reasons for that, I think, is that he's observed his mom and myself, right? And we we are like that. And so we encourage him to do that. We encourage him to ask questions when he meets people and all those sort of things. It doesn't mean he's a natural. It means we worked on that skill sooner, right? And so I think that's what happens is some people, again, generally the people who might be more extroverted at first, are more likely to pick up that skill, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that that skill is uh, non-existent. And again, to the introverts in the room, a lot of times what they're worried about is is 
faking interest in someone else, but also in being that sort of me, me, me person. If that sounds abhorrent to you, I have good news that Dale Carnegie was right. The best way to be interesting to someone is to legitimately be interested in them. We as, as humans can sense when someone's interested in us and we like that person more. And so you can be that person in the room. It's a whole lot easier to be that person when that's your goal. My goal is to make, is to make a connection between someone in this room and someone in the network that I swim in that's not in this room. That's a much more giving mentality and it works for both parties far better. Well, and I would even suggest that maybe introverts are even better at that because they're used to deflecting attention. I know myself, people never believe it, but I'm actually quite introverted. And so it's part of the reason I do interviews, because it's easier for me to divert attention. So it's really fascinating stuff. And I want to talk more about it within the context of business building, David. But what I want to do is take a quick break here and check in with our Facebook audience. For those of you that don't know, we live stream our recording sessions live on Facebook every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So come on down and be part of the conversation and get in the room and you can ask questions. You can hear about the latest stuff. If you are listening to this, whether it's live on Facebook or on iTunes, make sure and tell a friend. Just say, hey, I'm listening to this. It's awesome. Tell a friend right now. Have them subscribe and get a regular update on what we're doing here. Before I forget to check out David Burkus's site, D-A-V-I-D, be like boy, U-R-K-U-S, David Burkus. Burkus is B-U-R-K-U-S. Dot com. He's got it laid out great so you can just click right when you walk in, like, what do I need? How can you help me? That type of thing. And you can see he's got so many offerings. He's doing the Super Connector Summit, which you know I love me some summits. I'm a total summit junkie, so definitely check that out. Get on the list for that. Watch for the announcement when his new book comes out, Friend of a Friend. But check out his other offerings, too, davidberkus.com. Sit tight. We'll be right back in a minute and we'll talk more about how you can maximize your connections in your business growth. We'll be right back. What's going on with you? You seem so up all the time and your business is on fire. What are you doing? I started Train Your Brain You. It's the only program for entrepreneurs that addresses mindset and business growth strategies. The idea behind the program is that when you feel good, you act great. And it's awesome. You can check it out at trainyourbrainu.com. And that's trainyourbrainu, the letter U, dot com. Is it expensive? Seriously, it's like you're a whole different person. It's only a dollar a day, and you get all the latest tools to help you stay positive and grow your business. You would love it. Where do I go again? Trainyourbrainu.com. That's trainyourbrainu, the letter U, dot com. Check it out today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and we're having a really interesting conversation with David Burkus. I was telling him during the break that this is really fresh, and it's nice to have fresh ideas, and especially about networking. The idea that networking is not something you do or something you build, I mean, isn't that 
such a relief in a way. There's this pressure to be out there and be a good networker and their whole websites built to being networkers, whole businesses built on it. And what a relief to think that, no, look, this isn't what you think it is. This isn't about promoting your business. This isn't about promoting you. This is about being a real person interested in real people and connecting. And so that's just such a big, warm fuzzy for me. I'm really excited to dig into it a little more. And before I do, in case you didn't catch the Earl before the break, check out David over at davidburkus.com. DavidBurkus.com, B-U-R-K-U-S.com, and learn more about these offerings, because when this book comes out, I know you're going to want a copy. So, David, let's talk about how this relates to business, because I think we can see in our personal lives maybe easier how we know a friend of a friend who's, uh, name of the book, friend of a friend who's doing something, and we think like, oh, you need a realtor or you need a babysitter. I've got a good babysitter. How do we use this more in business that in a gracious yet advantageous way is the word I'm looking for? Yeah. So so first of all, I don't actually make the distinction between uh, colleague and whatever and friend, right? So in the social science literature, there's a concept called multiplexity, which multiplex, you know, it sounds like the old name for theaters of multiple screens, right? But no, it actually refers to the idea that ties are stronger when there's more than one thing connecting you. So when you are, you work together, but you also do this hobby together, or you work together, but you also live in the same neighborhood, or you, you know, when you, when you mix business and personal, you get a stronger tie. And there's a, there's a whole thing I could get into in that, but the, the biggest mindset shift is everybody's a friend, right? Just because you only ever see them in the context of work doesn't mean that they're not a friend, doesn't mean you can't build a relationship outside of work with that person. And usually it will affect your work better, right? So, but the thing that I, I really wanted to share in terms of how do you use this to grow your business, build your business, et cetera, your, your biggest network opportunity actually has nothing to do with networking events, nothing to do with meeting strangers. The biggest opportunity time and again for the last 50 years of research are in what in social science we call weak ties or dormant ties. And weak ties, there's often a misconception that weak ties are the friend of a friend. They're not. Weak ties are friends that you have sort of lost touch with. I actually prefer the term dormant tie because it describes it a little bit better. They're the people that you used to have a tight relationship with, and then for some reason or another, you took a different job, you started your own business, you moved to a different part of the country, et cetera, you lost touch with. Now, why these are so such a big opportunity is that the friction to reconnecting is a lot less than connecting with a new person. It's a whole lot easier to just call up that old friend and reconnect than it is to go to that event and meet new people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's way easier to connect with them. And then just like all of those new people, they are swimming in a different part of the network. They're in a different section. They've got different connections, which means they have different information and they have different opportunities than you have. If you, you know, the, the problem that I have with that quote of you're the average of the five people that you hang around with is it, it is true. And you also, you think like those people, you have the same access to opportunities as those people, you are those people. There's a lot of redundancy there. Your biggest opportunities come from meeting people that provide you new information, that provide you new access to leads, that provide you new ways to look at it. In fact, in one study, they looked at the innovativeness of different business models brought up by entrepreneurs and how that was affected by their network. And the people who were most often dipping into their weak ties or their dormant ties were the ones that had the most innovative business idea, which is a huge part of, of, I mean, if you don't believe me that innovation is a huge part of entrepreneurship, I don't know what to tell you. Peter Drucker always says that entrepreneurship is literally just innovation and marketing, 
right? So it is. That's all it is. I agree. So those dormant ties are going to be the source of that new information. And like I said earlier, it's easier to reconnect with those people. So the number one thing that you can do in terms of tapping into the network that you already exist in and finding new opportunities is reaching back out to those dormant ties. Who are the people you haven't talked to in six months, a year, two years? Those are going to be the people that are going to help you see your business problems differently at the very least, if not have referrals to people you never would have met and have new information that might pivot your business model in ways that you've never even thought of because they're in a different part of the network. Yeah, I'm totally having an aha moment, you know, with this. And I, I hope some of you are too with your business. It, it makes sense when you think about we're feeling bad or pressuring ourselves to go out into stranger areas and network. And the reality is, we might be better off just calling some of our best customers or rekindling relationships with people who you already know like your work. I mean, it does sound like a real easy feel good to talk to those people and see what they need. I'm wondering if part of the fear, like I can feel my own resistance to it. The only resistance I have, and I'm sure this must be common then, is there this idea of what if I can't meet the demands of what all these people need? Like there's this feeling of, you know, if I start making all these friendships or making all these connections, they're going to want stuff from me and I'm not going to be able to deliver because it's going to be too much. My bandwidth is going to be used up. What do you think about that, David? Yeah, so there's there's some interesting research in terms of how many people uh, can be in your network. Probably the most popular, it was popularized by Malcolm Gladwell, which tells us two things. One, that it's really popular, and two, that it's probably not 100% accurate, uh, is, a, is a concept called Dunbar's number, the idea that around 150. But the truth of Dunbar's research is actually not that 150 is the perfect number, but that you need to think of it as concentric circles, right? So 100, really, it's, it's less than, it's actually 5 to, to 15 in that tightest circle and then out to 150, which I would say are the people you could probably keep bandwidth of talking to every month or so. And then as you go to uh, less frequent intervals of time, you can fit those sort of more people in. And, and remember, if you're trying to grow uh, as, a, as a connector or as a super connector, then the most valuable thing that you have for people is a connection to someone else in that network. So you're not necessarily doing the work for them. Honestly, sometimes introductions can take as little as five minutes, right? Maybe maybe 10 because you've got to ask the, the other person you're going to introduce them to if they're okay with that. I'm a huge fan of the double opt-in introduction. But, um, you know, it doesn't take that long of a period of time. So that's that's really the key to think of it. So like in, in my case, what I've changed in my life since writing the book is that I use, a, I use a service called Contactually, huge fan of Contactually. And what it allows you to do is put people into buckets, which sounds really instrumental and and transactional, and I get that, but it's just the term that they use. And the buckets are labeled 30 days, uh, 90 days, six months, once a year. And then Contactually just monitors your email. You can send an email from it, but it monitors your email just to make sure that, you know, and it flags if it's actually been 90 days since you last connected with that person. So I make the deliberation of which bucket they go into, who's in my 30 days, who's in my 90, who's in whatever, but it also pings me to remind me to reach out to those weak ties and those dormant ties. Because the, the, the other thing that's interesting is there's usually a reason why somebody became a dormant tie, right? And sometimes it's because they're just not pleasant to be around. But that doesn't mean that you still can't add value to their life. The key is to make that deliberate choice of how often you want to be interacting with that person. And what you'll find most often, you reach out to those weak ties, 
you'll find that mm, they actually probably should be in the 90-day bucket, right? Or this person that's in the 90-day, my life would be better if I only reached out to them once a year, right? So people move <laughs> around as you go through it. But that's what I've kind of used to stay on top of it and and really connect with uh, the, the, the bandwidth issue is that I sort of sort people into those concentric circles in the network of who do I need to interact with frequently and who else uh, is, is outside of that that I don't need to talk to that often. You know what's so nice about this is that you've taken a task that people maybe don't necessarily like, whether it be customer follow-up or networking, and you've made it a feel-good. Like I'm thinking if everybody was thinking the only time you had to talk to people was when you wanted to do something to help them, I think innately, especially the followers of the Mind Aware, we're, we're helpers, we're service-oriented, we're givers. Like that's a that's a big uh, part of the MO. And so it makes it a really big feel good the way you talk about this. So I really, I want to thank you for that. I really appreciate everything you've had to say. Do you have any kind of parting advice for people with regards to connecting that you'd like to share? So yeah, my, my biggest advice is probably that weak ties thing. But the second is that uh, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or six degrees of separation phenomenon that we all sort of talk about it is actually true. Like there, we actually are 7.4 billion people connected by five to six introductions. The trick is a lot of people take that information and they go, well, cool. I just need to run out and ask for introductions. And I really encourage people not to do that. Uh, instead, I, I sort of ask people, there's a little bit different question. If you're trying to get into a new industry or a new niche or a, a new part of the country, whatever it is, the better question to ask then can, cause what a lot of people do is they like scope you out on LinkedIn and then they see that you're connected to this person and they ask for the instruction directly and it just feels awkward. The best question to ask is to ask your survey everybody who's in that one degree of separation. Hey, who do you know in blank? Like, who do you know in television? I'm writing this article and I need to know more people about it, right? The reason for that is twofold. It puts, it doesn't necessarily put so much pressure on the other person. Right. So when it's time to ask for that favor, you're not even asking for a favor. You're just asking, who do you know in? And it lets them opt in to doing the favor for you. Uh, the other reason is that psychologically, once they say, oh, yeah, yeah I've got this friend. And uh, his name's Andrew. We used to work in, in TV and public television. Uh, it, it, then they have that moment where they can say, let me introduce you. And the, the funny thing is people are more likely to take that second step because they've already taken the first one, right? Mm -hmm. So in addition to letting people opt out more easily when you're asking for an introduction, it also actually increases the, uh, I don't know, the, the marketing term would be conversion rate, right, of yeah. how many people um, <laughs> actually go ahead and do the action that, that you would want them to do because they're already, if they volunteered who they know in, then they're already more likely to introduce you to those people. But again, it gives them the chance to opt out at any moment, which means the, the connection is going to be more authentic. It's going to be more genuine, et cetera. I love that. That is so good. Get that question. Who do you know in? And think about it. When you're asking that, it makes it so easy for people to say yes, because, you know, chances are whatever it is, unless it's something crazy like, you know, who do you know that's an astronaut? You probably are going to get a connection or an answer, right? I love it. Thank you for that. David, gosh, this has been so good. I just appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And to the to the live stream group, uh, thank you guys for being a part. I'm going to jump in on the comments when we get done with this. I tried to do it earlier and got the same feedback thing. So um, I'll be there to chat with you guys soon. I'm looking forward to it. 
That sounds great. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. You know, you get this. It's nice, isn't it, to have a new way to look at things. I mean, a lot of what we do at the Mind Aware when we're training our brains is we're trying to reframe the conversations. We're trying to reframe the way we think and look about things. And maybe that term networking has been just too overused and it's too much of a feel bad. We think of it too much as a proactive me going out into the world doing this to people. Gosh, that's not a very much of a feel good, is it? What if we started thinking instead in terms of connecting, in terms of helping, in terms of serving, in terms of, look at when you connect people, you help two people get their needs met. I mean, what a good feeling is that? And you get to be the hero in that. You get to be the center of the action. I think this is for introverts. This is for extroverts. This is for anybody who cares about people. And the best part is, it's something you can do today. You can go out and you can start thinking about Who are those warm contacts? Who are those weak or dormant leads that I could just connect with? Connect with and check it out and see what they need and how I can help them today. So go ahead, be a good connector, and we'll see you next time on The Mind Aware. I'm excited. Like every time Dana says, you know, you got to take a drink. A donkey's on my back with the bridle in my mouth, whipping me and telling me what to do. This is what this tribe is about. This tribe is about breaking through paradigms. Letting go is an inside affair. Every human being is a unique and different human being. Please don't shoot me when <laughs> I say anything bad today. Don't put an apple on your head and I won't. All you have to do is flip the button. It was like taboo, Dana. Like, what? I was just like, what the heck is wrong with me? I'm like, I just want to go to work. I'd like to just have a girlfriend, settle down. <laughs>